All that's some classic Charlie Rich rolling with the flow. That's what we're doing here on Around the Bend today. And it's so exciting because the pedal steel guitarist that made that song, the signature, is right here. Jim Vest. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. I am so excited to be talking to you, which we've talked a little bit over the years. Um, yeah. I met you at the pedal steel guitar shows over the years, yeah. um, even up in, down at maybe Dallas or St. Louis and just here and there. Both. Yeah. And and it's so cool to have you right here in Columbia. Is this your first time to Columbia? It is. And I'm appreciating the fact that you've let us come down. Oh, I love it. You're, yeah. This is so exciting. Our listeners are excited about this today. Those of you that tuned into Americana Central Time before the show, you got to get a little bit of a preview. Uh, Barry Barnes of the Whipping Post Publication is also here with us, and you helped set this up today, Barry. Yes, ma'am, along with you. Ah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. So, Jim, I want to tell you, when he was here about a month ago, he's working on an article for the Whipping Post. Yep. We were talking about having you in, and he hung out, Barry hung out on the show with us for about an hour and a half, and song after song, we kind of just made it the Barry playlist that day, and it was so awesome, because <laughs> you played on several of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Well, we, uh, of course, I've known him through our steel guitar club and, and his uh, weekly letters and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I was talking about doing a book, and he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to see if you're really interested about that, maybe doing that with you. And I said, man, I'm looking for somebody to work with me. Yeah. And we're down to our final reading. That's and great. I believe this, this next reading, uh, which will be done in probably a week or two, and then two or three weeks to get us a few books to get started. Wow. But uh, we brought one just for you to look at, just to say hi. I love it. There's some it. pretty pictures in there. There's one of you and uh, Connie Smith, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what I'm looking at right now. What's the name of the book? The Magic of a Steel Guitar. Oh, it truly is magical. <laughs> it's, you know it's my favorite. I love it. Oh, the I pedal love steel it. guitar. It's good to us. Yeah. 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 It either takes a great genius multitasker or a warped mind to play one of those things because you guys, I mean, it's amazing. You're moving well, everything. Yeah, it takes both feet, both knees, and both hands, and a head somewhere, <laughs> guiding all that stuff, you know. <laughs> hey, was the steel guitar your first instrument? It was my only instrument besides dobro. I, I, I started to play guitar a little bit, hurt my fingers, and I said, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And it hurt my fingers. I ain't going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had. I'd love to to have played a guitar. Yeah, I write, but everything when I write, I have to write on a steel or a dobro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a songwriter. You're yeah. a producer. Yeah. 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 A great producer. I did some old fellas that you might remember. Remember Boxcar Willie? Yeah. yeah. I did his first stuff and got him started. Isn't that great? Isn't yeah. that great? And Charlie Lubin next to his last album before he died. Oh wow! I produced that. Yeah. That is so neat. I got to meet Charlie one time. I was singing on the same show he was at a VFW hall. And that was really just a year or two before I think he passed away. He's such a love. I just loved him, and and I still do. Yeah. I I knew Ira, too, but uh, Charlie I spent more time with and uh, just loved Charlie. Yeah. Broke my heart to see him leave. Oh, my goodness. So many great friends. You know know what? Everybody that I played with, from Rich to Jones to... Everybody, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Vern and uh, even Johnny Duncan. I play. Remember Johnny Duncan? Mm-hmm, I do. You can put your shoes under <laughs> my bed anytime. Yes. I played on that. Yeah. Wow. Lori Morgan. What part of No Don't You Understand? I love that. You know, yeah. uh, Gerald Smith that wrote that song. We talked. I just talked put him in bit. the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm in a pretty good size Hall of Fame over at Gatlinburg, and uh, they're so nice to me. I, and I have been able to pick and choose some people that I think. 
need to be there, and I help bring him in. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Coach Mike, Gerald Smith is the Georgia Quacker. We played his song yesterday. Okay. You play like yeah. Chet. Right. You yeah. play like Chet. <laughs> I have to I have to enunciate that. But so you just put him in the Hall of Fame, huh? About three years ago. Isn't that great? Yeah, I'm Ronnie McDowell. And Ronnie's my one of my neighbors. We got to talk to Ronnie on the air a few weeks ago. He's got new music coming out with uh, uh, Crystal Gale. He, they did a beautiful duet together on their next uh, album. He hadn't told me that. I've, I've got most of his paintings. He, every time he does something, uh, he'll generally sign it and, and bring, bring me a copy. Isn't it great? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he's just a wonderful man. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Do you paint as well? No, I don't paint, but I build uh, models. I build airplanes. I've got ships. I've got a like a destroyer longer than this counter here, and a submarine almost that long. And they, they do what they're supposed to do: radio controlled. You can put them in the lake if you want to, and the sub will sit still and go straight down, or it'll just go down and swim underwater for you if that's what you want. I've got uh, two tugboats in the same scale and a PT one hundred nine. And I don't know how many airplanes, uh, bi-wing airplanes, uh, B-25s with an eight- or nine-foot wingspan, wow. all radio-controlled. That is awesome. I, I didn't be, know I be, that. I better not go over there. I'll stay there forever. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> you know, I, I love to take my—both of my grandfathers were blacksmiths and preachers. Well, I miss my calling on preaching, but uh, I believe some of that has come on through my father. He could do anything with his hands uh, Pretty well the same way as long as I didn't bust no knuckles, you know. I did my own car work for a long time. I got up about 40, and I got enough sense to know I don't need to be busting these knuckles on them bolts right there every time a wrench breaks. Wow, we got some great pictures of you in this book here, of you working on these projects. Yeah, a little more chunky there. Oh, wow. Now, this is great. Other great pictures. You're smiling. You're happy. You know uh, you're loving what you're doing there. (laughs) You know, I always have, and I've just now... At almost 80 years old, realizing that, that what I was doing was making history. But uh, when you're doing it, you don't realize that. You're so busy making a living for your family. Yeah. You know, I'm working 18, 20 hours a day, a couple of sessions a day, and six nights a week with my band. And yeah. Then in the cracks, try to write a hit, you know, which I have wrote some for Paycheck and, and, uh, well, quite a few of them. Yeah. Tammy Wynette. You want to name a couple of those songs? Yeah, Tammy Wynette, uh, Your Sweet Lies Just Turned Down My Sheets Again. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Sammy Smith, It Just Won't Feel Like Cheating With You. Oh. <laughs> Billy Joe Spears, I'm Not Easy, I'm a Lady. Yeah. Um, Johnny Paycheck, From Cotton to Satin, um, Loser of the Year, uh, a couple of more. I can't. I have to read myself to find out. And I'm not bragging. It's just something. I'm just too stupid to remember it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. We want you to brag. Bragging's not a bad thing. We are telling people about the great Jim Vest today. So, hey, if you don't say it, this guy over here is going to. Barry's going to. I pay him enough. He ought to say it. (laughs) That's why we brought him down. Oh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) You're uh, speaking of Johnny Paycheck, your ringtone on your phone. Take this job and shut it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that way, I, when that goes off, I'm pretty well sure that's my phone. I haven't heard anybody else use that, you know, so. And most of, most of us aren't brave enough. <laughs> well, before before we get started, you said, how do I turn the ringtone off? And I thought, just leave it on. No. It fits right into the show, you know. Oh, Lord. Hey, why don't we play that? You played on this song. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
That's right. Here we go. Find some pictures you can look at of Johnny trying to play my steel guitar while she plays it. Take this job and shove it. I gotta say, I love, I love this job. I love this yeah. job. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to take this job anywhere, but except around the bend. Yeah. But um, as that song was playing, Coach Michael, check this out. There's pictures here in the book uh, of Jim Vest, the legendary steel guitar player that was on that uh, track that everybody just heard, and he's with uh, Johnny Paycheck. And I look at this, and um, you're smiling. And, and when I think of Jim Vest, I think of the smile. I really do. And I think a lot of people do. I've heard that comment from several great steel guitar players um, and, and people. But it says, um, the man opened a lot of doors for me during my career. Thank you, buddy. And that was from a 1981 mm-hmm. photo in the stockyard. Very cool. Yeah, stockyards. We opened yeah. that. Had a good time there. Yeah. Really did. Yeah. I'll tell you a sweet little story. We, I was working in Printer's Alley with the Nashville Cats, and I'd walked outside. I smoked cigarettes back then. I've been quit on those for about 50 years, awesome. 40 years, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, I walked outside to smoke, and, and a voice said, Hey, Vest. And I said, uh, Yeah, who is it? And he said, Check. And he was still standing in some shadows. I said, Get out of here where I can see you, boy. And he come out, and he looked awful bad. I mean, he looked bad and smelled bad, too. I said, what in the hell are you doing, buddy? He said, I'm just trying to get through, and I want to hear you play. I ain't got enough money to get in the damn club. I said, well, here's a here's a 20. Put that in your pocket. And I said, let's go on in and tell him whatever you want to drink. It ain't going to cost you a nickel. So he went in, got him a couple of drinks in him, and I called him up. And the guy that owned that club in Printer's Alley was a guy about, I'd say about six foot five, 400-pound, great big birdie old boy. And uh, he loved to walk through them clubs, you know, and, and sort of check on what was going on. And I just was hoping he wouldn't come by. <laughs> but I looked right out. And we played behind the bar in Printer's Alley in the Western Room. And then the band stands here in the bar and then seats there where everybody would sit. And uh, there he stood. I said, oh, Lord. And he'd just look in and he's not frowning or not even making a, uh, you know, much of a facial expression. And when I got off the bandstand, well, John sang like two, three songs. Mm-hmm. And this was before all this other stuff happened. Back then, he had, you know, we, we did like A11, which Hank Cochran wrote, My Dear Friend. Yeah, it's great. And um, he was waiting for me at the end of the bar. I got to the end of the bar, and I said, Hey, buddy, how you doing, Joel? He said, Who was that guy? And I said, Well, that's Johnny Paycheck. Never heard of him. I said, Well... Back when I was with Pee Wee King years ago, I said he was with George Jones, and I said he played bass and played uh, guitar, a little bit of guitar, and I said he sang harmony with him. Sometimes I'd do a number two to open. I said, monster singer. He said, man, he said the crowd went wild. What's wrong with him? He looked like a bum. I said, well, right now that's, he's, he's doing the bum thing. I said he's in between record deals and not a lot of work. And uh, he said, well, I'm seeing money. I said, yeah, I can... I can see that happen. What if we moved y'all upstairs and get rid of those female impersonators to the to the big uh, uh, restaurant upstairs, Brass Rail? I said, well, I ain't got no problem going up there. And he said, well, talk to him. I said, no, you talk to John. Y'all make your deal. Me and you got a deal. All I got to do is just move up. And we did. And I mean, the first night the place was packed. You could not sit down. And it was 95%. Hell's Angels. For the next four or five weeks, you could got you couldn't get a seat. Wow! They were flying in from all over America and a lot of California, 
and I used to wear a white, like a gangster hat back then. And this great big old burly looking guy, he said, could I try that hat on? I said, well, yeah, put it on. And he'd wear it on my break, and then he'd bring it right back, put it on my head when I got ready to go back home. Well, he stayed about a week. And as he's getting ready to go, you know, he said, man, he said, I can't tell you what a good time I've had. He said, I'm going to try to find me a hat like that. I said, here, I got one more. It was made in the 40s, but I had two of them. I just took it off and gave it to him. Aww. He said, here's my card. And he looked at me right dead now, and he said, if you ever need me, I'll be there. <laughs> so I took the card, you know, and later on that night I asked Paycheck. I said, did you see that big guy that's wearing my hat? Oh, yeah, I know who he is. I said, well, who is that? He said, he's the hit man for the damn Hells Angels. What did he tell you? He said, well, if somebody ever by God gives you any grief or something you need, he give me this card. He said, don't play around and call him and tell somebody, tell him that somebody <laughs> made you mad or whatever, because you get it. You said, this guy means business, huh? Oh, definitely. But anyway, you know, the locals couldn't even get in for four or five weeks. They thought he was just God. That's all there was to it. Mm. So meanwhile, Billy Sherrill had been sitting out front for two or three years, and every time I'd take a break, I'd go by and Billy, let me buy you a drink, Jim. All right, and I'd sit down for a minute. He said, Jim, I've just got to apologize. Man, I love you. I love your playing, and I've been aiming on calling you. I just forget. I'll get into the throes of my work, and I forget. I forget. He said, but I'm going to call you. And so three or four weeks of upstairs, you know, uh, John said, you know what? said, the CBS is starting to court me a little bit. I think I'm going to get a record deal. And if I do, you're going to play on all my stuff. I said, I doubt it, John. I said, you know, I know that Billy likes me, but I said, oh, rah, 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 what I just told you. Hadn't happened yet. Probably won't happen. So don't be upset or, or make somebody mad. And no, it wasn't two or three weeks in that he, uh, he brought a contract in, and it was that thick, and he threw it down on the counter like this. I thought he was going to break the counter. Never seen such a contract in my <laughs> life. And he said, Jim, we, we got it. And he said, uh, you're going to play on my stuff? I told Billy, and Billy said, yes. And uh, a few weeks after that, I got the call. Before we, before we played the session, Billy called him downtown. He said, I ain't going without you, Jimbo. So we went down to Billy's office and had a glass of wine. And, and Billy said, I've got uh, some stuff y'all need to look over. And he had four boxes. We had to make two loads downstairs and out to the car. And back then, I mean, this was before disc. This was real to real before cassette. This was real to real. And we took them to my basement, and I had a big, wonderful sound system. And we played uh, every, every bit of that, I don't know, three or 400 songs. And out of that, we were supposed to pick 20, and then Billy picked the last 14 or 15 that he wanted to cut. And uh, out of that come slide off your satin sheets, and my only hell my mama ever raised, that was back victory, and... Uh, the list just goes on. Am I talking too long? Here? No. no, 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 we're good. And uh, so uh, uh, us working together up there in in in, uh, in Printer's Alley, we had a chance to run over some of those songs, and we worked up a couple of intros, like the only hell my mom ever raised. Well, Paycheck and I put that together and played it on stage. We got in the studio, and and Billy said, "You know what? I hadn't thought about an intro on this. What do you you got one check?" And he said, "Yeah, me and Vest got something. Listen to this." So we played it for him, and he loved it. So that's what you hear on the record. Oh. There was three or four of them that we arranged like that. And uh, so anyway, that really, I had been doing quite a few sessions, but nothing like that was like when I'm going down here to the very best producer in the world, the best singers, the best yeah. writers. Uh, and it was just such a wonderful thing to be able to do. Uh, 
the work that I did. And I told him, I said, you know, Larry Butler was a dear friend of mine, too. Mm-hmm. Larry wanted us to, me and my writing partner was David Chamberlain. And uh, I said, uh, he wants to sign us to his little publishing deal for maybe $60,000, which to me was a bunch of money. Oh, that ain't nothing. He said, I, you just, you just, I'll sign you that. I'll give you that. And so we signed with Billy Sherrill, and I'd write, me and David write something one week, and I'd play it on steel and play every other chord just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. And next week, it was cut, 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 cut. So one day we were sitting in there, we was on the second album with George Jones, and he didn't show. And boy, it made <laughs> Billy mad, and Billy's very quiet. He's an introvert, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm an extrovert, so that's what made us get along so good. But he, he, you know, he stayed composed, and after about 35, 40 minutes, and I'm talking, we got the best players in the world sitting there. Janie Fricky was sitting there, what she's going to do yeah. the background on. He said, Janie, we got two or three songs picked out that we like and she said well yeah Billy he said you've been you know want to start my album soon he said it just started <laughs> and so uh, we did her first three or four numbers uh, and uh, started her new album there because George didn't make it well right before that we had cut a thing on George called Oh King Kong with just a little monkey compared to my love for you and George hated it. He hated it. It was, you know, it's so hard to get him to do a ballad, and you know, and uh, so he needed up tempo stuff. And so Billy told him to do this, and uh, oh, no intention to make a single out of it until he didn't show. Right. So Billy made a single out of it. Of course, Billy runs CBS. Mm-hmm. You do it every show, or you don't no longer work for CBS. So he had to do it. You know. And on that, I didn't really play much steel guitar. I put a fuzz tone in the end of the guitar, mashed my pedal down about three-fourths wide open, put a, a towel on the strings right here, and then went to mashing the strings down on a... <laughs> sound like jungle stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and Billy went crazy over it, left it right on the damn record. And, he, and George had to do it every show. I love Jim best. Were we on? Were we on, Coach? No. Okay, Welcome back on. to Around the Band with Brenda Lynn. We are here live in the WKRM studios with the great pedal steel guitarist, Nashville cat, Jim Vest, and we also got Barry Barnes of the Whipping Post publication and helper of the new great project that Jim Vest just put out or is putting out Mm. a great book. So, uh, yeah, we love talking to y'all. This is amazing. We're hearing some great stories. And uh, Lori Morgan, we were talking about Lori Morgan, uh, and you oh, we got a picture of her in the book here. You've done a lot of work with Lori. I I sort of helped raise her a little bit, and she. She was so sweet, uh, 17 years old. She was sneaking in the palace, uh-huh. which we had opened out there, and uh, and I'd get her up, you know, and then she wanted to know after I'd, uh, we'd get through with that set, you know, how'd I do, what, what should I do, this, that, and other. And I, of course, never give her no slack because uh, I've been on the road a lot of times with Pee Wee, and, and there's her father out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I were very close, and uh, so I – after all those years of helping, giving her a chance to work with a great band and, and get her feet wet on the stage, I go to see her about, I guess it was about a, a year ago, excuse me, and I uh, was sitting there in the pews right behind the band on the Opry stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd seen her just as she started out on stage. She looked over and she seen me, and she run over there and hugged me right fast and then run on stage. Mm-hmm. And she did one song, and when she got, she wanted somebody to bring her a stool, and they brought her a stool out, and she got just comfy on that stool. She said, ladies and gentlemen, 
said, I'm going to do something that's rarely ever done on the Grand Ole Opry. But there's somebody that was a great influence in my life and my career. And he's sitting back here. And he said, I, I, I want to introduce him. A lot of you are going to know him because he's played on all of your favorite records. Steel guitar. And, 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 and introduced me. And, of course, here they come with the you know, the cameras and stuff back there. And it's up on the big Tron thing, you know, front and back, you know. And uh, my old knees are so bad, I, I barely could get up, stand up, and wave at folks, but I did. But she took time to say, you know, if it hadn't been for this man, you know, I might not have ever been what I am. I might have quit. Mm -hmm. uh, but the on stage and him giving me, you know, good advice, saying this is that and then that's that or whatever, wow. that uh, he gave me the strength and everything I needed and the confidence to go ahead and be what I am today. And I thought that was something really sweet. Yeah. For anybody to do on the Grand Ole Opry, I'd never heard of it done being done before. Yeah. But she stopped her show, Aww. and well, and uh, said some nice words. Well, you deserved it because I hear a lot of nice words about you and have for years. You know, being around all the musicians, all the great entertainers, and uh, I'm glad she said it on that big platform. That's well, beautiful. She had the platform, and she yeah. did at that time, and uh, she was just in the studio. My my good friend. I don't know if you guys have been hearing anything about Buddy Hyatt. But Buddy is running a studio, and he loves me so much that he bought a house three doors from me and built a studio uh -huh. in the backyard. A lot of times, like Jones, I go over to do my work on my John Deere, yeah, you know, and just through somebody's backyard, and I'm at work. And uh, so she was over at Buddy's studio doing some things, and Buddy called. He said, somebody's over here and wants to see you. I said, well, I need to get up and get out of this chair and get some clothes on because I'm bad about sitting around in my underwear, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> So I did, and I did, and I went over there, and uh, it was Lori. She didn't want him to tell me who it was until I got there. And Tanya Tucker used to be the same way. She was always showing up, wanting to, and Tim McGraw, and uh, everybody wanted to get up with the group because we had a wonderful band, wonderful band. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures. Barry's handing me the book. Every time you talk about somebody, we got uh, Tanya uh, here uh, now. There's Tanya. Yeah. And, uh, I almost didn't recognize and her. And my father. So sweet. Now, you think he didn't talk about that till the rest of his life because she just hugged on him and kissed him on the cheeks. His little old face just red. Yeah, you know, he's a straight-laced dude, you know. What's your dad's name? Lane, L-A-N-E. Nice. Lane. He loved the music and was proud of you. You can see He played, yeah. And I was telling George Hamilton, I said, probably 47 Daddy decided that he wanted my brother to have a chance to play and me to play. He played guitar and sang. So he sent us to music school, and it was really a hard drain on the family to pay for that. It was really expensive. It was 50 cents a week. Mm. And, you know, and two of us going, that was a dollar a week. And that was, I mean, that was money back in 46, yeah. 47. Yeah. But anyway, we, we inside of uh, four or five months, they told Dad, said, you know, he soaked it up just like a sponge. We'd like to have him teach, but we can't. There's, you know, we've taught him everything we know to teach. I said, no, I don't want to teach. I want to play. So I started playing. Daddy had a little band, and we had seven or eight people on stage and uh, still couldn't do what four good musicians will, would do, you know. But it was wonderful to be able to spend that time with him. And, and then later on, you know, Pee Wee King lived there, and Daddy built our first TV because he got a, a deal from the service to study electronics and what did they build the first thing they had all the parts and pieces and he come home with a seven inch screen tv nobody had a tv nobody yeah we didn't even have a station that was finished it was started with a test pattern 
and we watched the test pattern for a year and then here come Buffalo Bob and Howdy Doody and and my God, it was on, you know. And then the next thing, Ertl 92 is sponsoring Pee Wee King and the Golden West Cowboys. And I'm sitting there cross-legged at eight or nine years old watching that little bitty screen. And Daddy would say, you see that guy right there on that pedal? I mean, it wasn't on pedal back then, but that steel guitar? Yeah. And he said, that's what it's supposed to sound like. That's what you need to do right there. So I studied and I listened, and when I finally got the chance, I'd go down there every week, and I'd buy me a record at Pee Wee's Record Shop. Pee Wee here today? No. Nope. I'd buy me a record, 39, 49 cents, whatever, and I'd wear it out till I learned everything off of it I could learn. And then uh, one day I went down and I walked in the door, and before I could say, Pee Wee here, he's Jumbo. His brother was Gene. He said, Jim, you'll never guess. He said, Pee Wee's in today. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'll holler at him. Pee Wee said, Jim Vesta's out here. He said, good, I want to talk to him. And I thought, what in the world's going on? And he come out, we got to talking, and he knew more about me than I, there ain't no way he's supposed to know this. I'm playing clubs. I started playing clubs, honky-tonk dives, you know, at uh, 16 years old, as soon as I got a license. And uh, he said that some of the boys, a couple of the boys that played for him had been coming by. Well, when he said their names, and they worked for him. They'd never said anything about working for him. Mm -hmm. They'd come through, and I'd get them up do a number with me or let play a little bit, and it'd be that. But they'd been telling him, said, we found your steel guitar player. The boy that was uh, playing was drinking pretty heavy for Pee Wee, and Pee Wee was so good-hearted. He hated to let anybody go, but he, he just had to. And when he told me, get your guitar and come over to my house. It's coming Saturday. I was there. And when we sat down and he got his accordion, we started, he'd call a song. And if it had something to do with steel guitar, buddy, I was on it, and he was just tickled to death. He said, "What do you? How come you know all of this?" And then I told him, "I said I watched you, you know, from the first Earl's '92 show you did on through, mm -hmm. and that's why I know it's all imprinted right there, like a second father to me. He gave me some of the most wonderful information. He and and uh, Gene Autry were big friends, and uh, through the years I kept saying, t saying, "Well, I'd love to meet Gene." So before there was a CMA, none of that stuff. It was called the DJ convention. You probably have heard about it. Mm -hmm. I don't. You're too young to have lived it, but mm. I lived it. And that's where all the the, the record labels they would uh, uh, go down there and rent up two or three rooms, and they'd invite these DJs down, and they'd furnish a room, and the room usually had uh, plenty of liquor in it. And then uh, steel guitar people, they decided they needed three or four rooms to show off their wares and the drums and all these. So the hotel now is just absolutely just teeming with rooms full of instruments. And if you want a guitar, you just go up there and tell them who you was, who you played for. And they give you what you want, you know. So I'm I'm just cruising and uh, bumped into Pee Wee right in front of a elevator. And I said, uh, how you doing, boss? He said, I'm fine. He said, where are you going? I said, I have no idea. He said, well, <laughs> come on and go with me. I said, all right, boss, I'm with you. And we jumped on the elevator, and I don't know what floor, but we finally got off and knocked on this door, and he said, uh, who is it? And Pee-wee said, that's yeah, me, Pee-wee. He said, come on in. Walked in the door, and there stood Gene Autry without his pants and just in his underwear and his cowboy boots and a western shirt. Come on in, and boy, he just grabbed Pee-wee and hugged him just like a long-lost son. And uh, filled our glass. I mean, uh, my, I remember my glass, you know, pee on, like me. And my glass get half empty. Gene Autry jumped up and, and fixed my drink fresh. And 
And uh, him and Pee Wee just are talking like we're talking of a mile a minute. Had 10 million questions I wanted to ask him and say, I don't think I asked him the first one. I just, <laughs> with my mouth wide open, just that my, that's my hero. Aww. That's my, he, he, you know, he's all my values. He instilled in me, you know, the, the right thing to do. Big Jim Best is here with us in the studio, and big smile. Yeah. <laughs> I love his smile throughout uh, all the book that we're uh, promoting today, but you played a uh, steel guitar with her on that track I was, there. I was looking for a number. I thought we might do a three-way for a second. Oh. So I can see it. Well, that would be great. It's in there somewhere. I don't know where. We'll get her to call in sometime. Well, that would be good. Yeah. We can hook the phone yeah. up to the board and talk to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 She will. Yeah. That'd be great. I love Lori Morgan. I'm a big fan. Always have been. She's a good kid now. Yeah. Good kid. She used to uh, be on Ralph Emery all the time. And I'd, yeah. wa- I'd watch her in the mornings uh, when I was a kid with my mom. You know, uh, Ralph cut a song. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see if he, you know, I guess. I had a little session. We, we cut two or three on that session. I don't remember him being out, but I played on it with Ralph. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I can't even remember the name. I just remember that we did and rap is going to sing. You know, I um, I'm leaving a lot behind for my family, and I know it's time to start getting, uh, you know, myself prepared for that big adventure that we're going to take all of us. And uh, I've left them movies and uh, all kind of videos and all kind of music, but I haven't left them anything singing or a, or a book. And we're just about to get our book done. Yeah. And I've got about three or four cut. On my new album. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Good. And I brought one if we was to get time. We have time. Yeah. We'll make Absolutely. time. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it, it, you're not going to probably like what I've done because. No, we're going to love it. That's what. <laughs> I, uh, I I thought, you know, that it's, it's just uh, you like country music, so. We do love country music. <laughs> What's new with you, number one? Okay. We'll see if we can get this. Coach Mike is going to cue it up here. And uh, that's awesome. I was about to ask you if you were working on a project because I had asked Barry. I've been wanting your music because I play a lot of pedal steel guitar on this show. I, I end each show every day with, uh, like, yesterday we played Russ Hicks yesterday. We played Weldon Myrick. Oh, God. I have Smiley's music and yeah. Smiley's book. And, and uh, oh, I get Smiley's thoughts for the day. Do you, does he ever send you a thought for the day? Uh, no, no. He he tries to tell it, tell it to me if I if we run across one another. I need to find. Oh, here's one. Oh, this was yesterday. Let's see. Smiley's thought for the day: If I was meant to pop out of bed, I would sleep in a toaster. Those are the kind. Of- <laughs> <laughs> My Gee, <boy>. Smiley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? If you you'd have enjoyed yesterday if we had had a three way. I called Lloyd. Just we're going to talk to him for just a minute. Mm-hmm. And we was over two hours. Over two hours we talked on the phone. I don't never talk to nobody that long on the phone, you know, but Aww. just talking about just like what we're doing right now. You yeah. Know, different people we cut with and the different things that funny things that happened. Right. You know, when it was going down and wonderful man. Just wonderful guy. I'll Lloyd Green is who you're Lloyd Green, yeah. yes. Yeah, I got to meet him once at a backyard party where, um, who was playing? Junior Brown was playing. And they were oh, having, I love Junior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool. And Lynn Owsley was there. There's actually a 15-second YouTube video of me and Lynn dancing in the backyard. <laughs> Lynn and I went and dropped off that steel guitar that you saw in that picture. Uh-huh. Played on all this stuff to, uh, to have the underside checked on it. And uh, I'm going to put it on the market. 
uh, there's an app that goes with it that's uh it was finished just like the guitar inlaid in mother pearl and everything yeah so i'm gonna put them i'm gonna put it on the internet and see if it's going to do something probably be about 15 gold albums that goes with it that, yeah. that it played on isn't that amazing so anyway lynn and i took the guitar over to uh curly purtis Oh, Pearly, Pearly, <laughs> Pearly, Pearly Curtis. Pearly Curtis, I had it backwards, Pearly That's Curtis. Right. Yeah. And uh, spent some time with him. He's he's uh, working on it now, I hope, as we speak. But Lynn's been a dear, dear friend for years and years. I mean, if we want to, I can bring four or five. Yeah. Down sometime, and we'll just, I'll get us some lunch, and we'll come down. We'll do that. We'll have a big old, I've been wanting to do more with the steel guitar artists in Nashville and, and really feature them. Matter of fact, um, I've been in communication with Billy Easton, who's the president of, of the... Nashville yeah. Steel Guitar Chapter, as you know, and um, they don't know, so I'm telling them. I'm not telling you, Jim. I know you know these things. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, we were talking about features, you know, and getting more of the music because um, we love the steel guitar here. Well, they'll all be Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring us down four or five Hall of Famers and get Lloyd involved. And, uh, and uh, i got four or five more that I can think of that will yeah. be good. We'd really be good, yeah. That'd be great. So we got your track uh, queued up. Tell us about this song, Jim. Oh, there was a, a boy that, that, and I know his name well as I know my own right now, but I, I, I can't think. I was playing at the stockyards, and he come in, and he sang this song, had a record on it. And every time he come in, I loved it so much, I'd insist he play on it. I mean, he'd play it, sing it so I could play it. And so one night he come in, and I said, you going to sing my song? Going to sing my song? Sing my song, would you? Would you sing my song? No. They ended up doing it. He said, here's the words. You sing this song if you want to. And I said, oh, no. It's Con Hunley. And uh, so the song really stuck with me. And when I decided I wanted to try to leave something behind, it's not good, but it's just something of me singing, you know. Uh, I thought I'll do this first. So this is the first thing. I've, I've already been on my album four years. I did this about four years ago. And... Uh, Teresa Kay of Mount Pleasant listens in every day, and uh, she said he sings really good, like his voice a lot, and she's got some exclamation points and an emoji, so that's a good thing. Good. And then we got um, uh, James Richards, he listens in every day as well. He said this is a really great show today, so thank you all so much for being here for Jim Vest and Barry Barnes here, and mm. I'm excited about your new album coming out. Now, tell everybody again how they can find Jim Vest music, how they can go on the internet and find you. I've got a website, um, and uh, as soon as I get it done, I'm going to probably put it on that website. Yeah. And I'm really, you know, I wasn't making it to put it out to sell or anything like that. I just, I just wanted to leave it behind for right. my kinfolk, and uh, um, and I'm just picking and choosing songs that I liked. That's great. That's and, great. You know, I just slamming them down. So. Yeah. Thank you to all our sponsors for helping us do what we do here at WKRM Radio. And thank you, Jim Vess. Mm, thank you, guys.